<laughs> all right, guys. Greetings. Uh, Greetings. Sorry, do we not have to we have to put our books behind our shoulders? Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Artfully, artfully. Right now. Where's yours, Rosie? <laughs> no books. No written books. Before, before I start, Paul, can I, can I ask Chris about his knee injuries? You don't want to hear. Am I allowed? Well, you can. I mean, you know. It's... Did it hurt, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, very much. It was... Um... Yeah, it's, it's, it's not. I mean, I've broken a leg twice, and I'll do that again tomorrow rather than have a dislocated yeah, patella. Yeah. Having said that, it, it, this, it's now clear that's not what Gomez did. Um, is it? What did he yeah. do? He's actually torn the patella tendon, which is that big, thick, cable bugger that goes right through the middle of your knee downwards. That, that, that big Isn't that thick... ACL? I thought your ACL holds the knee together. No, no, that, that the ACLs are sort of to the side because the ACLs on the outside and the MCLs on the inside, or the other way around. I can't remember which it is, but they're they're kind of like each side. But that big cable ropey like thing that goes right to the middle of your kneecap, that's your patella tendon. Right. And that, that's what he's done. He's torn that, which is, you know, I, I've, I've no idea what the hell that's like. Um, Apparently, you know, yelped a little bit, <laughs> um, as you might. But um, so that I don't know whether that's the good thing. The only good thing I read was that he um, apparently hasn't done any attendant sort of ligament damage. Yeah. Um, with a dislocation, it drags everything out with it. So all the ligaments go with it. So you can't not damage your ligaments with a dislocation, so, which is what I was worried about. I thought, well, that's going to just take everything out. But it, apparently not. It's a patella tendon which can be repaired. Apparently the recovery is um, far from certain. You know, it's, it's one of the, the well, worst yeah. prognoses you could have for recovery for an athlete. But, um, yeah. but you know, um, he's young and fit and he'll have the best treatments on earth. So, um, you know, if anyone's going to come back, he will. You know. But who's, who do we know that's had that? Um, Stevenson on the site posted that one of the Sale Sharks rugby team had one. And one of my... Yes. Danny Murphy. Danny Murphy had one. Danny Murphy had one. Yeah, he did. Liverpool's Danny Murphy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When did you do that then? I'm not sure which club it was at. I'm not sure if it was us or when it was at City or. He didn't slow him down though, did it? He was. One of the lads who um, is part of our WhatsApp group, like the son of one of the lads I got the match with, Graham, um, he did it playing rugby as well. so he mentioned it when we were talking about what had happened, and he said it's apparently it's a patellar tendon injury, and I've had that, but mine didn't actually tear. It was just like a partial tear, but this apparently was a whole complete tear. So, um, Paul, you put something on the site today on the in, on the free Friday, yeah. um, in relation to Gomez's injury in international football. <laughs> <laughs> sort of outline what that was, and get everyone to sign up. Where did this yeah, no, a great big fan of international football, mate. 
Sign up for what? The newsletter or for international football? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Definitely yeah, not yeah. international football, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just think, Sign up to the newsletter and listen to this. Why are we having three games during a... I mean, Scotland just played 120 minutes and they play again on Sunday and they play on again Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, I get, I get, I get, you know, World Cup and, and Euros. I get, I get that. That's, you know, that's been with us forever. That's fine. But most of these aren't. These are bloody Nations League. You know, what's, what's that? What's the Nations League? You know, why, is, why did that need inventing? You know. Presumably Scotland don't need to win the Nations League now because... No. Well, well, this yeah. this Nations League is to get to the World Cup, theoretically. Oh, really? Oh, right. Oh, so so it been... is it is separate. The games they've got to play are separate to what they've just won, but it all happens at the same time just to make it extra confusing. But there is a there is an advantage to them winning this games that are coming up, yeah. So Robertson could actually, I just thought they're not going to play him because he had a tight hamstring after 120 minutes, but they're going to play him on Sunday now and he'll be out for three months or something. I mean... We it, might have, have the entire defence missing. Well, that would be everybody then, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah Alex, what, what was it? Somebody was saying that in Brazil, that um, was it Casemiro who's been, or someone's been tested positive for COVID, so our Brazilian players might have to... Uh, Isolate. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. We might not have, have Alison, so we could just get rid of he's get rid of the entire but for yeah. for Bino's and Thiago are presumably back. Okay. So we have some players. Cater. But then have it all the African nations started up again this this mm. break. Mm. So it's yeah, so. Sane, San, uh, Mane and Salah are both playing. Um two games. Two games, yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry. <laughs> I know. I'll just say. Well, I said this season was kind of... Earlier in the season or before the season, I said, you know, we kind of need to ro- not write it off, but it's going to be a... I, you know, I can't remember what point I said, but, you know, to, to keep doing what we're doing is is really difficult. But to keep doing it now with, yeah. with like, just so many so many top players out and so many players that are going to be put into the red zone. Um, You know, I guess the only, the only thing is while some go off injured, others come back fit and we might, we might keep it, you know, but it just feels, feels, I don't know. I I get, I'm getting into the games again. After the Villa game, I kind of thought I'm, I'm, you know, I'm done with this. (laughs) But then yeah. I kind of got back into it, and and like the West Ham game, I was kind of, you know. But even then, even then, the most recent games, I haven't. I don't think the last time I celebrated a Liverpool goal, probably in the Atalanta game when it kind of didn't matter if they were, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I know. They were ruled out. But um, I know. um oh, I mean, it's been beyond a perfect storm, hasn't it, so far? You know, just everything from VAR to the injuries, the severity of the injuries, the number of injuries. Um, all, in the, all in the same all area. In the same positions as well. You know, first of all, the midfield and then the defence, you know. Um, yeah. so I assume they're just waiting for the front three now until, until the defenders are fit. What's the VAR overturns this season, Bees? Um, I've fallen a bit behind on it, but I saw a tweet today saying that Liverpool are top of all the worst 
uh, hey. things like most goals overturned, and, uh, all these sorts of things. So, um, yeah. Dan, can it say minus five this season or something? On, on Yeah, I think I think that's right. Yeah, and obviously that's just on the overturns as well. So that doesn't even include stuff, you know, where you think we should get a penalty and we don't get one. I mean, that doesn't even count. No. Just on the ones that actually happen, it's minus five, I think, yeah. So Henderson's goal wasn't an overturn, was it? Because uh, yes, it was. I think. Was, yeah. But the, yeah. the like Salah and no, Villa, where he was taken out, that's not an overturn. They didn't even look at that because um, nothing happens. Yeah, and yeah. The, and the silly thing is, is the only one that's gone in our favour, I think, is the uh, Chelsea red card, which was clear to everyone that it should have been a red card anyway. Yeah. It goes down as a VAR overturn because the ref didn't give it, but. I think anyone watching it thinks he should have given it anyway. So, I mean, that's not oh, really much of a, of a win. I've just had a piece of news come in. Mohamed Salah test positive for coronavirus and international oh, duty. It's very funny. No, it really is. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't, I don't have the, um, to the surprise no tendencies one. to make that up. Oh, look at it. Yeah, it is. Live news. Oh, okay, let's try. Let's try and stay positive, folks. Yeah. <laughs> presumably, if, <laughs> no, but if he's got, if he's tested positive for COVID, he presumably doesn't play the matches. Good. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And if he only has to isolate for two weeks, he maybe only misses one or two games. Leicester and maybe. I mean, it's not ideal, obviously, but it beats getting no. a, it's a, it's a good Achilles time. injury or whatever. Yeah, it's a good time to get. It's a good time to get it. Mm. Would have been better if he had it Monday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Last yeah. Monday, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This, is, this is Monday, so then he'd miss. He'd miss the two weeks, and then he'd miss the Leicester game. But I mean, are we playing after that. Yeah, are we playing straight after Leicester. Um, yeah, Atalanta. Atalanta. Yeah. There's a game every three days until like the week before Christmas, I think. Yeah, there's right. a game every two days during Christmas or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's when it really gets busy. Yeah, yeah then it steps up. Yeah, <laughs> so it, they do have a week off then, but yeah, it's interesting because all our upcoming away games are fairly fairly simple. Uh, we've got Brighton, Michelin, Fulham, and Palace, but all the home games are the tough ones: Leicester, Atalanta, Wolves, and Spurs. So yeah, but Spurs, we, no. looking at Spurs fixtures. Somebody said that Spurs have got three big six clashes straight after the break and then yeah. one game and then they come to Anfield. So one thing we were talking about, you know, doing the old um, performance, um, was it the RPI? The result, well, I can't remember. What does the RPI stand for? Ratings Performance Index, is that right? Yeah. 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 So Spurs are obviously flying high in the table, but I think they've only played United away. Obviously, they won that yes. six one. Yeah. They, after they've played the next five games, their their fixture list will be in keeping with everybody else's. So, but we've had that again. We've had the toughest um, out of the big six. I think we've had the toughest start. We've played the most informed teams to start a season where it's game six. But I think it was the first time we've gone on without a hundred percent record. Is that, mm. is that right? Obviously, Leeds. Isabel, yeah. Leeds hadn't played yet, so you know yeah. we. And obviously Leicester, Leicester will be a quarter of the season gone. And although we don't count them in the big six, that's, that'll be another tough game out of the way. We've obviously had Everton away, City away, Chelsea away, Arsenal at home. Um, and Villa, obviously, is one of the surprise teams of the season. We've played them already. I can't remember what the result was. But, um, 
<laughs> I was going to say, we don't want to go into a detailed analysis of that one after we've, dis- no. we've discussed Gomez's injury, Salah getting COVID. One thing was working. And then the Villa game. On the new on the new quarterly, so we're doing our new mini book, aren't we? The quarterly. Yeah. Now, going through with bees, the deflected shots last season. I think out of 130-odd goals that we scored or conceded last season, I think there was one deflected shot, which was... Curtis Jones, is that right, Bees? Yep, that is correct. So from one in a whole season for two two teams, so you know that's seventy six games worth of of minutes. One deflected goal, and then in thirty one minutes at Villa, they scored three deflected goals, and they weren't even. This is the thing that drives me crazy about them. It's like you know, it was just getting ridiculous. But the, the Fabino one hits his heel. And then sort of spins like it's going to go wide and then just kind of spins just inside the post. And you kind of think, you know, the old two goalkeepers stuff, you know, you, you would need a goalkeeper just to be covering the near post. For that. So that's just been, it's just been the, the uh, you know, and also if you consider that we, we, of the six Champions League games, the two toughest would be Ajax away and Atalanta away on paper. Hmm. And we've we've done those with the extra travelling in the shorter time period. Bizarrely, bizarrely, we, we, we conceded what is it the second most goals in the Premier League and no goals in the Champions League. And and like the randomness, we could have conceded one or two against Ajax or Atlanta, Atalanta, um, and yet against Villa, you know, from about three three and a half xG, they got seven goals. So it's just the you know. It's just been a completely bonkers, bonkers season. It's only presumably going to get going to get worse. But I think if you ignore Villa, which is hard <laughs> yeah. to do, but if you ignore can, the can Villa game, we, you know, let's forget no, about the Villa game. It's been a good start to the season, you know. Five wins and okay. draws at Everton and Man City is perfectly good start to the season. And the Everton, Everton what, what should have won really? Well, you talk about. Like if you if you don't get a goal in the first minute and people say well, and then you say you end up drawing one one and then people say oh we should have won two one because of the, it's like well cause and effect means that that doesn't follow you know you don't know what happens next but if you score a legitimate goal with the last kick of a game yeah. there wasn't if if that wasn't overruled that's the end of the game and we win three two and you know Keith Hackett said you know as far as he's concerned the technology isn't there. They can only do 50 frames per second on offsides, whereas goal line technology is 500 frames per second. So it's 10 times less accurate than goal line technology, which we use for a millimetre as well. Mm-hmm. And yet you're trying to tell me that, that Marnay's elbow is offside by a millimetre. Mm. You know, so that, again, so if it doesn't necessarily then follow that we would have automatically then beaten West Ham and won all the other games. Sometimes if you win when you didn't win, you know, you can end up being overconfident on the next game and then it will, you know. But the fact is that as a result, that was, but for VAR, that was 100% a win, wasn't it? So, you know, and if they had sent off Pickford after 10 minutes... Still angry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Richarlison doesn't then stay on the pitch because they would keep Calvert-Lewin on and they would take Richarlison off. Thiago doesn't end up not, you know, we haven't seen Thiago since that, that game either. So yeah. if you add the, 
if you had the nature of the injuries as well, you know, if somebody injures themselves doing a stupid tackle, like um, Laporte last season, you could say, well, it was a ludicrous, you know, he was he was late and clumsy. You can accept that. If somebody else takes out your players, it just feels a lot more yeah. falling in a way, doesn't it? But, yeah. So yeah. there we go. I say still angry. <laughs> still angry. I think Pickford really needs to hope that fans aren't back when they played at Anfield this season. Because <laughs> when he's standing at the cop end, especially, he's, he's going to have a really uncomfortable afternoon. <laughs> I've not looked at the fixtures. When, when, when is that? It's later on. Um, we we should encourage, we should encourage him. He always gives us a nice little present. Well, he does. Yeah, yeah. But he, you know, we should encourage him to pick him. <laughs> in the past, he's merely had um, derision. You know, but this this will be several steps up from derision, I think, this time. <laughs> to be honest, though, the 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 Charleston one was more intended as a yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was very nasty. Very it was nasty. just reckless and stupid, wasn't it? He was just out of control because mm. mm. he yeah. flies all over the place, doesn't he? Pickford's just got somebody pointed this out. He's got no, he's not, he's not a still controlled goalkeeper. Set yourself. No. He, I remember clips from him at Sunderland where he would be running across the goal and make one save and then he'd run across and it's, you know, and, and it's just chaos with him and yeah. like trying yeah. to get something on it. And w- with that, you just think his brain's gone, his mind's gone, he's just gone flying in. But um, I think it's incredible to think we are where we are and that, you know, because basically every every week I'm thinking, let's just write this season off and then, yeah. um... you know, you know, hardest fixtures, worst injuries, um, worst VAR deal, you know. Uh, and given all those, I, I think we were okay. I, I think my concern is is where from here now with, with this situation that seems to be, you know, deteriorating almost by the hour. It's, it's where we go from here that worries me. Um, but 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 I have at the same time saying that, I do have faith that, that the, a solution will be found, you know. Somebody will come to the fore. Um, you know, even without our first choice centre backs, we've still got some options, assuming Fabinho's back soon. Um, the two younger lads have done okay when they've come in. Very okay. well. Playing West Ham suited Phillips, I think, more than, mm. for example, playing at City would have done, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think he would have been ex- possibly, I don't know, but I'm assuming that he would have been exposed a bit by that. Different style of football, but you know, good player, but yeah, that's playing against a Moyes team is ideal, you know. Yeah, yeah, and he won, won how many headers was it, or something? It was, yeah, a lot. Yeah, it was, yeah. Like, it was like Van Dyke in the air in that game, and that's all we, yeah, yeah, that's all we really needed, wasn't it? And um, but of course, I can't remember who it was who said that the problem with playing Liverpool is you can try and stop their fullbacks because we know about them and you can try and stop the front three because we know about them and then Van Dyke pings a 50-yard pass onto Salah's chest and you can't legislate for that. You know, that- and that, that's what we're missing as well as his defensive ability is that and his threat from free, from set pieces. And, you know, there's other elements that, that we're missing as well as the, the obvious defensive the, one with Van Dyke. The, I, I, I can't think of a defence that's had two... Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, all quarterback passes, but Trent Alexander-Arnold and Virgil Van Dijk passed passed the ball like, you know, they're up there with Mulby, Hoddle, yeah, Newman, you know, for the for the long range finder with a bit of, you know, whip and dip and 
swerve and you know the the out the out balls that help us get up the field quicker aren't they and um yeah. we've, lost, we've lost the pace at the back as well now which means we might have to drop back Matic's going to be fit for another 10 minutes but for I mean, Fabino and Matic gives us means we can play Thiago in his best position which is yeah. the holding and, and Thiago's you, you guys, you know, be Daniel will know the, the, the pressing and the and the and the, didn't he win this ball second most? Um, some stat, defensive stat, he was second highest in the Bundesliga last year, I think. Um, so you can mm. do that as well as create. And then if you've got Fabinho and Matip in the defence, we can deal better with the West Ham of this world that are just looking to get their six midfielders into the box the whole time. Um, but you know, we're now relying. We've got no searing pace at the back. We've lost Van Dyke, kind of like casual pace, where he runs as quick as anyone, but doesn't make it. <laughs> yeah, makes so, it look yeah. like it's hovering. So, but I mean, I don't know. It feels like we've been defending deeper since the Villa game, anyway. Mm. Is that just an, an illusion, or does that? No, no, I think that's no, true. I think you're right. Yeah. We've been pressing less anyway. Yeah. But 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 the results have been better and we conceded fewer goals or has that just been a bit of luck? Uh, I think we're still conceding plenty of chances, are we, Beast, for the season? Um, even if you take out the Villa game, it's quite high in the number of big chances we are conceding, but um, our, attack, our attack's been as good as ever. So what, what games though, have we, like Atalanta away, they had a couple of big chances, I think, but you would expect you would expect that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Ajax yeah. away, you would expect sure to concede a couple of big chances. It's more like, have we been conceding many big chances? I mean, West Ham, I think, had 0.18 XG in the whole game, I think. Um, they scored again. They scored from a mishit shot that bobbled in off the post. They expertly uh, finished, according to the BBC. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> what's, what's wrong with your eyes? It was, it was unsavable in that in the, he mishit it and it went in off the post. Mm. Um, but yeah. yeah, I don't think it was. Uh, yeah, it was pure luck. But um, yeah. so have we been conceding chances in the? I'm trying to think. About, I mean, at City, we'd expect to concede. You, you don't go to City without conceding two or three big chances, surely. So mm. Mm. that was three, three at City we conceded, and that's the. I think that's the best we've performed against them because mm. we usually concede. We usually concede more away at City. Uh, I'm just trying to find him now. We conceded six at Villa, three against Arsenal. Three against City, two against Sheffield United, and one against Chelsea. Was the Sheffield United one a penalty that was a foul outside the box that wasn't a foul? There was a game on one of the recent games, last game I was watching of the Premier League, and somebody did a tackle exactly similar to mm. the video, round the side, got the ball, and it was like, oh, great tackle, and the commentators are saying, yeah, he got the ball, clean tackle on the referee and VR did, VAR did nothing about it. And mm. I still don't get that one. I, I get that you're coming from the back. If you're coming from the back and you get the ball, that's one thing. But Fabinho, my issue with the Fabinho one is that it looked, as soon as he missed, clear, as soon as the clearance was bad, you thought, don't dive in. And then he dived in and, and, it, and you could almost see the referee, before he's even dived in, the referee's going to think that's a free kick because he's desperate. But when you see it from the other angle, you can see that he gets the ball, and mm -hmm. I still haven't seen a, a clip where 
he goes, was it McBurney? I haven't seen McBurney, anything where he yeah. is because it's from the side and he and he gets it. Yeah. He gets up on the ball. What? 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 I mean, if you if he gets a touch on the ball after taking out McBurney, that's a foul. But I don't. I still don't understand that one. No, I mean, it's the only I think an interesting point. The... Sorry, but it's gone. Well, I say an interesting point. I heard. I can't remember where or read it or whatever. Someone saying, you know, he the ref probably gives it as a free kick where he wouldn't give it as a penalty yeah, yeah, in terms yeah. of location. Yeah. And then they say, oh, well, actually, it's on the line, so it's a penalty. But Do you know what I mean? Like, I think the ref's more likely to give it as a free kick for that challenge than a penalty for that challenge, weirdly, which shouldn't be the case, but that's how they think. But, of course, then the VAR says, oh, well, actually, it was but on the line, so then it's a penalty, but, you know. Well, what was on the line? Because part part... So if part of Fabinho's foot, all up from the angle I can see, where he where he's... Kicking the ball about six, eight inches outside the box, maybe back of the back of his heel is on the is on the line. Yeah. So a penalty is is it where the player who's fouling? So if you're inside the box and you punch someone outside the box <laughs> and you hit and you connect with them outside the box, is that that's a penalty and you get sent off or you get sent off? But is it a penalty? Mm. And also, why? Why if it's where you're making a tackle? If it's where your oh, feet are that matters, then why did Mane get given offside? It wasn't his feet that were offside; it was his arm. So, you know, it's feet when you're defending, but not feet when you're attacking. It wasn't Mane's feet that were judged to be offside because they clearly weren't. It was part of his arm. So, it's, so, so I have... for Fabinho, it was his foot. So, the foot Fabinho. does count defensively, but not when you're attacking. <laughs> what if Fabinho had a hand? I, I didn't check his hand, but what if? What if oh. his arm was in the box? Yeah. His yeah. player's arm is in the box. Oh, it's handball. <laughs> <laughs> they must have judged that the contact took place on the line. That must have been their yeah. decision, yeah. I think. I'm it's not saying they're right, but that must be what they assume thought happened. Yeah. I don't know about you, but when, when I saw that, and it went, when, I, when I saw that it was being reviewed, I thought, oh, it's okay, that's fine. We're okay. It's the same with the Marley one. I've never been... Yeah, so I know. I've been Staggered by the, the outcome. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's just it does feel like. Again, I don't know what's. It just feels like a, a weird reality. One, uh, somebody made this point. I think it was Mike B on the site. Although I, I made it last year about just doing feet as offside. Yeah. Because you can't go anywhere without your feet. Do you know what I mean? No. no. And if you're diving, if, if it's a diving header, and if you can control a diving header that well. You deserve, and your feet are on side. Then I kind mm. of think you. The only thing I can think with that is, though, is that defensive lines would then be really difficult to to manage. Do you know what I mean? That might get more yeah. complicated because you could be leaning offside, and then you drop back. You drop back a foot because someone feels like they're. You know what I mean? I don't know if that. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but the. But if it was just based on your feet, you can draw lines to your feet. You know where your your tips of your toes end, and even though the lines aren't accurate to with you know to within inches, is it? It's not. It's not. It's not even millimeter accurate anyway. But at least no. if you draw a line on the foot. You could say, but how do you? They're now trying to decide where someone's shoulder where their line is. T-shirt line, yeah. apparently, isn't it now? Well, that's line just... of a T-shirt, so that's okay if it hits you there. So yeah, but if you if you draw a line there, 
or there, or there, or there. You can make someone offside. Mm. It's arbitrary, isn't it? Because it, because yeah. you're just making a guess. Yeah. The worst one. If you move it one millimeter on, the, if you move one pixel on the screen, that will move someone from onside to offside, or vice versa. Surely. If it's what about vests? What if they start wearing vests? No t-shirt. No t-shirt line whatsoever. <laughs> then we can literally just put it where you want. Oh, string vests, you mean? Like... <laughs> or play skins and shirts. What they got them? They can wear basketball tops and there's no t-shirt line and the whole rule is just put it where you want. Just and to be someone where they've got their tattoo. <laughs> the tattoo line. I'm just, yeah, it's a, I don't know if I'm going to get through this season, guys. Um, I, I noticed I'm, I'm, I'm exasperated. I'm not sure the season is going to get through the season, to be honest, the way no, things are looking, you know. It doesn't look like it, does it? No. Um, mm. Let's move on to the quarterly because we've, yes. we've all gone out yes. in there. And seeing as we were just, the last game we we're talking about, was probably uh, it wasn't. It was a Sheffield United game, but this last game was the City game, Chris. And mm. one, one of one of the first articles is a is a new rivalry for our times. Now, one of my best mates is a City fan, and I can confirm lots of the parts in this. Did you sure in this in this chapter, but I'll let you I'll let you uh, go into more details. Well, the city of today is not the city of old, is it? It's a new thing. It's a new beast we're confronted with now. Um, I would still maintain that in terms of rivalries, they're not in our top two or three. Um, certainly those people who live in Liverpool or Merseyside, there's only ever going to be one because they only ever see one other set of people. You know, They don't see a United fan from one year to the next, apart from when they play them. But there's never Tony around every corner, you know. So... Um, all the rivalry within the city it is no, undoubtedly it's the local derby. But the further afield you go, the more likely it is you'll be surrounded by United fans, and they'll become your rival. City got no part of this at all mm. until I think um, the rivalry with them really is on the pitch rather than fan to fan. It, the fan, if you like, the fan rivalry has followed on the pitch action. I don't think on the pitch action has anything to do with Liverpool or Everton. Can I, can I just say, interrupt, Chris, to say, is it mm. more like, uh, you You will remember this, not saying that you're older than me, but you are. Um, more than the, more people than, than most these days. Yeah, so Nottingham, <laughs> Nottingham Forest, you know, we, um, we ate Nottingham Forest. Yeah. That, that must have been a very That's short... Similar. That's similar to the city thing. Yeah, where... where they suddenly came from nowhere. Yeah. Um, and then they had the temerity. You know, we, we busted gut to win that European Cup. Mm. And then, you know, we retained it. And that's no other English club had done that. They knock us out, then win it, then do it again the year after. Just it's like, it's what's the problem? And they've only just been promoted no. as well. When did, when did yeah. the animosity with Forest fans die down then? I assume that that just lasted, because Forest then kind of... Five years, yeah. maybe. Does that make Man City a shit, not Forest? Yeah. <laughs> rich. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's more comparable with that situation because the rivalry with Forest was, was purely on the pitch. And obviously through that it, it you know it extends to the fans and when the two teams meet, there was um it, it, it did get a bit fruity for a while. Um in your article, Chris, there there you talk about the Allen Ball week. Now weirdly enough, I wasn't a season ticket holder then. I was I was on the list, I think I got it the following season, but I went to that game 
in the uh, main stand and I was on the very back row okay. in the very far corner Annie Road end. Oh, okay. Six nil. Yeah. Uh, and I went with it. I was up visiting a mate who I knew from college who was a, who was from Liverpool but wasn't really into football. But I took him along, and you know it was a it was a damn good game. But I, I forgot that we'd beaten them four 0 as well that week as well. Yeah, six 0 and four 0 in the space of four days or something like that. Um, I remember Mark Wright going up the. We scored a goal where Mark Wright took it up the right hand side from the, from the back yeah. right up the wing. Yeah, um, yeah. But they, they, they sort of merge a bit. There's there, there that many goals that week. I, you know. I've sort of lost them a bit, but yeah, there was when Mark Wright went marauding. Um, and you mentioned that in the in the in the in your article that game, or that yeah, book. yeah. Well, I, I think that the point of that was the self-deprecating nature of their supporters, which is what they were kind of known as, sort of lugubrious, uh, self-deprecating humour, and and um, they were really famous for that, weren't they? Really, they were. They were. They That's were what they were known for, you know. More than any they, other club, it was Man City fans are the are kind of like the champions of self-deprecating humour, and yeah. because of because of I guess Man United being so successful in that that book yeah. you I can't remember the name of it, but what was the book? Oh, Man United ruined my life or something. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it's a City fan who wrote it. <laughs> Obviously, um, well, it could have been us, but um, yeah. but this this thing now is is just totally nothing like that that version. You know the support now is is um com- you know there's there's no self deprecation is not on the menu you, anymore. You, you know? go to those games and you said obviously you said yeah. the difference between 2017 and 2019, but obviously I think our fans rightly deserve some um, blame for for the bus incident. I think I don't think that helps. You know, and, and, I, and I, I do say you know we. In the article, I don't think we'd have been particularly impressed if we'd have seen our bus treated thus at any place, you know, city or anywhere else. Um, we wouldn't have been happy. Um, and I think they still boo the, the Champions League anthem. It's become their, their thing. It's because they're the sort of poor outsiders and they're not really part of the establishment and all the rest of it. Um, they're actually just, up, just richer than the establishment. Um but they, they, I think, you know, all of them would actually agree if you gave them a truth drug, that they actually want that more than anything else. And to actually have their bus wreckers knock them out of it was almost too much for them to take. And I think I think that's what flipped it. Um, so, you know, during that 5-0 defeat at Main Road, when Manny was sent off, apart from that incident, when it was a, it was a bit howly, um, they were pretty much similar to what they had been before. There certainly wasn't, maybe they're in transition, but the 2-1, um, you know, the, the league settler, if you like, that was something different again. That was um, really, really unpleasant. It's a, a really unpleasant experience. I actually walked back to Victoria Station, which is about a 50-minute walk, which is the way I went, because I couldn't bear sharing public transport with them. I thought you said that. I walked back to Victoria, uh, which is a, a fair bloody way from the Etihad. Yeah. You know, there's all there's any number of you know trams and metros and buses and God knows what else, but I, I can't I can't do this. They were they were just as vile afterwards, crowing and triumphant and you know should have won eight one you know that sort of thing and you know, just they just they just keep coming around thousands on round the corner gloating and shouting and mm. I can't I can't share a bus with these. 
you know, I'm going to have to walk. I'm going to have to bloody walk it. You know, and it's a yeah. 15 minute walk back to the station. But, you know, I, I sort of, I was actually quite shaken by the experience. It was, you know, and I've been to, you know, I've been to Old Trafford, I've been to Ellen Road, I've been to Chelsea in the Cup in the 70s when it was, you know, West Ham, all those places. I don't think I've been to anything that was more unpleasant than that mm. uh, in terms of the degree of feeling. And it's all summed up by, you know, companies standing over Salah and, yeah. you know, um, the team fed off the crowd, the crowd fed off the team, the deafening sort of sound system. It just seemed like the whole thing was was stage managed, really. Yeah. You know? It was um, revenge for the previous couple of seasons. It felt like, you know, we'd got one over on them. Yeah. We'd, we'd, you know, a few idiots had thrown bottles at their bus. Yeah. It did feel, I don't know what's on the telly, but it, you could feel the... You could feel the animosity. Yeah, you know, yeah. Second leg. Hear them. They were. It was like they were trying to do what the cop did in that three nil as yeah. well. Can we boo their every touch in that three nil win or something? Mm-hmm. It, was, it was really, really intimidating, and it was like yeah. they did the same in return for once. And I don't mind intimidation. That's all right. That's what yeah. we're there for. But um, <laughs> yeah. um, but, the bus, you know, fine. Go walk get through a, a red wall of smoke. That's fine, you know. Um, but don't bloody throw things at it. Yeah. You know, that, that's where we cross the line. And, and it's two or three people. It wasn't most people didn't, but two or three cans hit it, and one of them sort of cracked a window. Yeah. You know, so they, they immediately hand over the, the moral high ground, don't you? When when that happens, and I so they, they then know. surrendered the moral high ground again with company. And with um, Bernardo Silva seems on a one man crusade yeah. to to yeah. to wind up Liverpool fans, but also but in the end he's yeah. pretty much disappeared off the map and he's not doing himself any good. I guess no. it's very, um, fairly handy for us then if they would have kept that sort of atmosphere going that we've played them, although we lost last year and yeah. we, we drew this year, but that's two trips without a crowd. Yeah, uh, I think we've played them without a crowd yet. Have we? I don't think we. Um, no, no, no not at Anfield. No. It was last season? We beat him at the start of last season. The Fabinho got from Fabinho. Ah, yeah. I went to Salah, 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 Salah. Yeah. I was at handball according to them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, twice. Twice. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I should be shouting it at God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a remarkable transition in, in the nature of a supporter base, basically. Mm-hmm. That's, that was my point, really. You know, that, that they've changed from this one quite sort of... You know, they, they came from Moss Side and Rush Home, in the, you know, they, even in those days. They, were, you know, they weren't like angels, you know. But there was that character about them. Humour and, and you know, they weren't united as well, they were defined by not being united, you know. It's what rivalry does, though, isn't it? It's like mm, on Chelsea pitch rivalry, yeah. Chelsea I don't fans. think United and Everton matters a damn what's happening on the pitch, no, exactly. No, that, that, will, that will be the same, whatever, you know. Yeah, but this is like not Forest and Chelsea, yes, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, you're suddenly in such tight competition regularly. I mean, you know, I, I, I can't remember. If the atmosphere against Chelsea was ever as toxic 
Well, no, because they, they were irrelevant, weren't they? They weren't anything for a long time. Until... Yeah, I mean, in like 20, uh, 2004, 05 to 2009, 10. Uh, no, probably it was Rafa and Mourinho that, um, yeah, yeah. you know, sparked that up. I also think we're just very different sort of DNA. Our supporters and theirs are just, just as far apart as you can ever get. Yeah. So I think just the whole way we look at the world, how we look at football, how we look at everything. Society, whatever. I think there's just a, a gulf between Liverpool and Chelsea, and um, probably more so than any other set of fans, to be honest. Um, in terms of just how completely different we are. Um, yeah, I remember being uh, the 2012 Cup final before the game. Um, I went to the bar and there's, a couple, there's loads of Liverpool fans in there. there some Chelsea, four Chelsea lads at the bar. And I went and said, "Excuse me, I'm just going to get to the bar." And one of them said, "What gives you the right to speak to me as an equal?" <laughs> I said I wasn't really. No, I really wasn't. I am. I, am your I just want to get to the bar, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, there was about sort of twenty or thirty around the table where we were, and I sort of looked around and said, "What you just said, you know?" He said, "Oh, with you, you know, yeah." And his mate said, "He's an idiot. Leave him." Yeah. <laughs> but he did. That's what he said. Yeah, I'll give you the right to speak to me as an equal. Yeah. Now, what have you robbed to afford to come here? That sort of thing, you know. So, when are we playing City at home? Uh, um, February, Feb. I think. Feb. So yeah, sixth, sixth of Feb. Yeah. I don't, I don't think crowds. No. I, I, and how, how, how has it been? Have any of you guys seen, um, watch games where there's like ten thousand fans in a fifty thousand stadium with social distancing and stuff? Is that what kind of atmosphere do you get when everybody's sitting like six feet away from you? It's not exactly, it's, the, it's not exactly the, it's, of the 1970s, is it? It's real. Uh, it's, uh, it's 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 authentic because all the reactions are well-timed. They're just not as loud. Right. <laughs> Can you actually get a song going when your nearest person's 10 seats away? Yeah. Uh, in some um, of the smaller grounds. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. But, um, it's a good answer on the cop, and that's not really going to intimidate in the way it would do when it's full, you know. I think it. I just think it's going to look like a, like a really badly attended, game from two years ago where you yeah, would atmosphere, yeah. but then yeah. you wouldn't have like everybody in the cop and then just the empty empty half empty stands. It would just be, the cop would be spaced out as well. That seems yeah everywhere yeah yeah. So you, you'd have to, I think it's three seats to your right, three to your left, three rows in front, three rows behind, or something like that, or two. And who gets yeah. who gets to go to those? Uh, ballot, I think. Yeah, ballot. ballot. Yeah, yeah. Season ticket holder ballot, basically. Um, so, but I guess it will be the necessary step, won't it? They won't go from nobody to a full stadium. Yeah. I guess oh, it, it will have to happen that way. I guess. Yeah, as mm. weird as it will seem. But did you see the the? I think of Northern Ireland. The um, they let was it ten thousand in or something like that yesterday? Um, yeah, when they had. It was just 1,000, wasn't it? it 1,000 yeah. in a 15,000 capacity. I don't know how big Windsor Park is, but it's not that big. No, um, but they, they had to go through like a, a spray. It's like a spray booth, yeah. you know, first of all. And then the sort of the temperature test. And there's quite a lot to go through before, you know. So you couldn't actually do that with a full crowd anyway. Because, you, you know, yeah. you had to be there the day before to get in, you know. Yeah. To get fifty thousand or so in, each of them going through that process, it just wouldn't be possible. So, no, I can't. I can't see. I'd be very surprised if, if full crowds about this season. 
I got quite excited about the vaccine mm. the data. Um, yeah. Like forty-three and a half thousand people in the study, and you think, well, that's fantastic. Yeah. But then the, the the results were based on the first eighty-four people to contract coronavirus, and so you think, well, then, but then when I thought about that, I thought, well, hang on a minute, if if, if only eighty-four people have contracted coronavirus, I would assume that, that with a vaccine they would expose people to coronavirus to see what happened. But it seems to be from this that they've just let people go about their normal lives. And so it's hard to know if they've been coming into contact. Maybe they just haven't come into contact with people or yeah. Yeah. it seems a bit, you know, as ever with with medicine and medical trials, is get the get the preliminary results out really quickly before we actually know mm. what any of it means. Well, that's it. Um, uh, but if that, if, you know, we've already ordered, UK has ordered 40 million doses. Yeah. So if this is all sorted by early next year, it could be that we get back to... Yeah, I would, yeah, I would wonder... Yeah, yeah they've, got the, they've got the thing in Liverpool at the moment, haven't they, the test where you can go and get tested. Could, could yeah. they not? Have that outside uh, Goodison Park and Anfield, and then you go and get a test, and then you can go to the game if you're negative. Because it's it, isn't it like an hour turnaround or something, or virtually for instant, or you just find out that you are negative and then go. Because then everybody in there is negative. It's like you could yeah. do on a little yeah. bubble. It's yeah. only yeah. it's only in Liverpool. It started off in Liverpool, so that was good. That yeah, the region. Yeah, so even yeah. even Birkenhead doesn't count. No. Birkenhead doesn't get this. But it's not going to be the capacity to do that at, you know, Leicester, outside Chelsea, outside, um, I was going to say Norwich, but they're not in the Premier League. But do you know what I mean? It's like, if you can... It is, yeah, obviously, you'd need to have it ground-wide, but just as an introduction to yeah. get a full stadium, if, aren't they doing half a million a day? Or there's the option to do it. Yeah. I thought it was everyone every day if they wanted it. And it would be a good way to get more people checked it's an incentive to go and get checked, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, I got a negative result today, by the way. Talking about getting tested, we had to had a the ONS came to our house and oh, uh, right. came through today, so we, we were negative. That's well, you should have. We wouldn't have been able to do this otherwise, mate. It could, <laughs> no, <that's right. laughs> you, put me, you put me at risk there by talking to you virally online. I swabbed my laptop before. Oh, well. <laughs> Chris, Chris has got all the COVID breaking news. He's got Salah's positive test, his own negative test. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> COVID update. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was That's thinking about A live COVID correspondent, Chris. What the test does is to tell you that you're clear oh, when you were right. tested, but you can get it tomorrow, the day after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's, it's like... That's why players and everybody yeah. do instant. They do the, the, but then we've had a few games lately where players have either played with positive, while positive, either because they didn't know or because the results might have been hidden. I know that happened, yeah. them, didn't it? That they said, yeah. Um, so, and, well, and I'm mystified by it to be honest, because I'm the, like this strictly come dancing contestant has had to pull out because one they've been in, in a bubble for God knows how long. So I don't know how one of the dancers has sort of come by as a positive test when you're not allowed out. They're tested every day. I don't know how you how you suddenly become positive when you're in a bubble and have been for bloody ages. Can you have uh, false, false positives and false negatives? I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, that's the thing, a false positive or a false negative. Neither are very useful. 
know. Yeah, if you get a false positive, you've still got to isolate until you until you get a negative. I think yeah. you have to do several negative tests in a row to be to be I'm clear. Just wondering, yeah, I'm just wondering how someone managed to to become positive when in a bubble. They've been in a bubble for about three months before the program began. You know, yeah. a long, long time. You know. Um, and there have been since, and it's about six weeks, five weeks ago, you know, since it began. So somehow, you know, despite being... people have been leaving their bubbles. I don't know whether they would do the same on there, but well, yeah. somebody the obviously has. Yeah. The rugby team that went and went out on the lash, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, you just kind of think, you know, um, the England players, the two ones that, that yeah. left the the accepted area of the hotel. So. I imagine that lots of people aren't fully obeying the. No, that's it. People, but um, but anyway, is this the first TTT Strictly Come Dancing section? It's not one of our. It's not my expertise anyway. There's nothing in the. There's nothing in the quarterly about. The theme is ever having effect on me. The data's on my wife. Instant sleep. Basil. We'll come to you. We'll come to you next. Um, I think we should do the the um, DNA Liverpool goals chapter, but you have got more than one in there. Do you want to start with that? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's Paul's idea, really. Uh, just looking at the. Can, can I talk about it? If you want? <laughs> yeah. Carry on. Um, yeah. No. Just looking at how uh, all the goals came about, what the build up involved, which players were involved, how many passes were involved. Um, all these sorts of things. Um, I think I've only been collecting the data this season. I think it'll get more interesting the more goals that there are. Um, obviously, I sort of uh, did up to the end of October and then Liverpool scored five in Atalanta. So that'll keep me busy, adding those to the database or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's just interesting to see, you know, the players who are involved but don't get credit in the term of in terms of scoring the goal or getting the assist. You know, mm. there's a lot that are that are involved in these sort of minor ways, which which are still important. So it's kind of looking into that and um, just all sort of aspects of it, how far from the goal they were, and all these sorts of things, just to see if there's any sort of trends or patterns or or all these sorts of things. Um, obviously, as we say, Paul's got the info for last season, so um, combine all that. And I know um, Abby's collecting stuff going back even further, so. Um, sort of interesting. It will be interesting to kind of look at it all, but uh, it seems certainly for this season, it's basically Salah's always involved, and then see who else might get a touch, sort of thing. Because the one thing I was interested in, a couple of things that last season, I I started thinking about it, and I, as you saw my database, I thought, right, let's look at all these different things. And unlike you, I never think to go to websites to find. They, so I was watching, I was getting Daniel to get me the videos from Y Scout for every goal we scored from the start. And then I was like, I'd watch them and I'd know who did what. And then later on, I'd think about, oh, hang on about, hang on a minute, there's this aspect of, and then I'd have to watch all the goals again to find out if that, but there were just a few things because it, we'd scored four headed goals from set pieces, I think, in a row. It was it against Brighton and Napoli and... Around that around that time, and everybody was just saying, "Oh, we're just a long ball," and we'd hit a few long ball passes as well. And and I just thought, and then we, and then after that, we started scoring these beautiful, fast flowing goals. Some of them were twenty passes 
backwards and forwards. But there was just a few things that I was interested in, which was were both fullbacks involved in a goal on the, on both flank on their on their natural flank, and that seemed to happen a lot. And then I was looking at is is there um, is Van Dyke involved? And the amount of goals, if you went further back in the move, Van Dyke was pinged a ball out. Even if it then turned into a slower move, he always seemed to be involved. And so, and then how many moves involved a touch from Alisson or Adrian? And just to, and I, I hadn't thought of a way to represent it. And I still think it's something that we could do some really interesting data visualizations with. But it's just really hard to. Um, we haven't got enough this season to get any clear patterns yet. And last season, I'd done this all the way up to lockdown and then the games were just coming too thick and fast. Um, and I was saying... They were shit. And the players were drunk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's, um, it's something that will build up Bees can build up over the over the course of this season, but we could also then see. Are we? You know, you, you can then start looking at averages. So, is there a time where you then start scoring goals from closer in? Is there a period of time where we score more from more from crosses? What's going to change without Alexander Arnold? What's going to change without Van Dyke? Um, Salah. Yeah. <laughs> Only for one game. You're just joking about that, so <laughs> he hasn't really got COVID, please. No, no, no he yeah. has. But then obviously Bees has also got the pressing. We combined a couple of Bees' pressing articles for the mm. Um So what 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 were your takeaways from out the way we've we've changed our pressing bees? Well, the thing is sort of changing in uh, both ends of the pitch, like in the they're doing let me get this right. They press less often, but more in the final third and with greater success. And at the back, they seem to be pressing less, but with greater success. And they're also pressing opposition players who are passing the ball less than they were. And I don't really know why that is. And I think some of it is no doubt um, after the league was won. And so it didn't matter quite so much, but it seems to have continued. And I just think knowing what we do about Liverpool's sort of data analysis uh, department, there must be a reason for it. I don't think it's entirely by accident. And, and maybe we'll never kind of figure it out, but it just seems odd that there has been a shift because, I, as I say, I don't think things sort of happen accidentally. I'm sure there's a plan at the heart of it. And I think the Villa game probably showed the bad side of what can go wrong with it. Um but I think it's I think it's deliberate. I think it'll be interesting to see how it sort of carries on. It's probably not, you know, in a sort of scientific experiment sense, it's probably not a fair experiment now that we've lost Van Dyke and we've lost Gomez and there'll be a different defense every week and all these sorts of things. But something something seems to be going on. So it's just kind of looking at where it stands now. And maybe by the end of the season it'll just sort of go back to normal. But it, it just seems worth keeping an eye on, let's say. Does it, does it make it more difficult trying to trying to nail down the DNA of a Liverpool goal when the way the side plays is subject to so much um, revision or tweaking or development? Um, I mean, David Moyes, you could pretty much analyse, you know, a goal under his management for going back a long time because it doesn't change. The clock is forever tweaking, you know, and, and so it must make it harder to to try and actually trace 
the way they go about their business. There's another another aspect, another goal we can score is from no passes, from pressing. Um, yeah. I also think it'd be, is it fair to say, which I think is something you've written this week, that our three best, and Daniel will know this for, presumably from the from the AI under pressure, but our three best pressers are not in the first team. Jotter is getting into the, is that right? Minamino and Cater no, are, yeah. are, are two exceptional pressers. And yeah. Although Minamino hasn't played very well yet, generally, although he's had some good games, but that could be something that changes when if Cater and Minamino start getting game time. And obviously, if Salah's out for a couple of games, like Minamino and Jota are, are more likely to start than if Salah's fit. So, um, I suppose it's small. Thing, it's small. Go on, no, no, go on, Dan. It's a small it's a small sample with Minamino, isn't it? Um, for the stats data this year, but Naby's got quite a fair chunk of data behind his volume of pressing, anyway. Um, and yeah, uh, you've got you've got Jota who's just come into it, and he's got he's got high figures. So I just think it makes complete sense for Klopp to do this. If if you're worried about players as potential future muscle injuries you're worried about uh, the lack of training time you're getting you're worried about the lack of rest that they're getting you don't want them every day to go out every game to go out and put in full full intense effort that we've seen in the past where we might have had a couple more days break or a bit of a bigger squad to rotate and a settled defense you know all these things combine to give you the opportunity to press well and at the moment we haven't got anything combining to give us an opportunity to press well because we're changing formations, we're changing tactics, we've got players in and out all the time, different keepers. The only consistent has been the two full-backs and they're, they're going to be broken up now as well. Uh, the, um, oh, what was I going to say? Um, against City, we seem to be blocking passing lanes more than pressing. Is that is that fair to say? Um yeah. Particularly into Rodri and Gundogan, yeah, uh, rather than attacking, rather than going straight to the is player. There a specific tactic for right. City or or a general development? Yeah, yeah, we have to. We have to. We can't go. If you've got a game every three days and then international three internationals in seven days in the middle of that, you know, you 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 will have to. There will have to be some kind of alteration to the way we play and as mm-hmm. you said about different goalkeepers different defensive lines if we if we defend deeper then we can't get we can't have that I would say against Villa we, our heads are so gone towards the end I'm pretty sure we were playing offside in their half it was it was just it was mental and that was just like that was too extreme and but if you obviously if you defend deeper it's harder to press because you've got more area to cover, you know, so, but then how long have we been defending deeper? I suppose Van Dijk's been out for a few games now. Um, But yeah, we're going to need, we're going to see different things this year and it'll be interesting to see what the DNA of the goals and the way we play, if we can sort of find differences. I think last year we actually, it was, um, Will, um, Will GT, G, Will G, GTM. Um, yeah, Gopinar Morgan. He now works for Opta, but he'd written a, he wrote a piece early for TTT last season, I think, about how mm. we were pressing 
differently and it was I think it was more midfield pressing and less yeah. front three pressing um so it's an evol- evolving process and it will it will change with personnel I guess won't it so um, mm. well that's the thing like Chris was asking about the changing you know how does that affect the goals obviously Jota's going to make a big difference on that because yeah. everything you've collected about last season Paul obviously Jota wasn't there yeah so exactly. straight away what he brings to the team is going to move things on again you know, and uh, his press, he may, you know, the other guys are 28, 29 now. They're not, they're not finished, but they're probably, I mean, I think even Salah had made in the last previous recent season, Salah though was only Ben Chilwell, I think had made more sprints, like Salah's sprinting stats are off the, are off the charts. And um, some of these guys are probably going to have to start, you know, tweaking their game a bit as well. Whereas someone like Jota, Especially if he's not going to start every game, is 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 perhaps got a bit more scope to come in, press hard. It's like Minamino. I don't think Minamino looks very confident on the ball yet, but when mm. he does play, he just absolutely hairs around and makes a nuisance of himself. And I think even Solanke, I think used to do that. Solanke didn't didn't um, he scored one goal for us, I think. But I think his mm. press is really good. And sometimes just for part of a season, if you've just got a player that can just absolutely tear around. And you can sort of rest your other players within the game, then you know that kind of change things as well. So, and, and obviously Thiago, you know, I, I, that's why you're going back to that. As, as annoyed as I am about Van Dyke, Chris, and you're going back to that earlier, I just feel really. I, I don't, I've never been so annoyed that that Thiago has come in. He's teased us. Mm. And, and <laughs> yes. Played two games, which is 45 minutes against Chelsea in the second half against 10 men and that was the only time we've had our strongest team out this season but then that was against 10 men so that second half you would say that was our best team and then 10 minutes against Everton and then Van Dijk's out for the season um, mm. and Thiago ends up getting his knee smashed lucky his knee wasn't you know mm. he'd be joining Gomez and Van Dijk having knee surgery so but I just feel cheated and I've got to stop feeling cheated about it. I feel cheated by VAR. And I know some of this and referees. And I've got to let some of that go because that's life. Life isn't fair. You know what I mean? I, 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 I do. You know? <laughs> but the Thiago thing that really bugs me because it's like you've got this guy who's 29. He's not going to be around forever. Yeah. Fuck hell, yeah. He's got him at the peak of his career, at the peak of his confidence. And he comes in and then Richarlison does that to him. And we haven't seen him since. And... <laughs> You get teased by it for an hour. An hour. It's fifty-five minutes. No, no. He's played, an, he's played a game and a half, but our, our best team has played fifty-five minutes this season, and that's all it will play now because mm. we won't get our best team again. Um, but I would love to see Thiago. I just want to watch him play, and even if you know mm. games aren't as interesting because the crowd's not there, and just watching, I'm, I'm finding. I don't know about you guys, but I'm finding I'm not watching games back because. Part of the you watch a goal 30, 40 times before, and it's part of it is the, is the crowd's reaction, and then the players' reaction going to the crowd, and the the emotion of the goal. And now you watch the goal again, and it's just like a training goal. It, you know, it means, mm. means something, but it doesn't it doesn't have that same power. But I could watch Margo's yeah. passing. Like I watched I watched that pass some of his passing against Everton, you know, and against Chelsea. Just something a bit more, a bit special. Is. The football itself is a bit because the football the football is still an extremely high standard, but it doesn't feel 
it doesn't feel the same, does it? But I would love no. to I feel cheated that that we haven't been able to see him much yet, and hopefully that will change after this. Um, yeah, I, I love his passing. I just love watching his passing. It's just, it's like a it's crisp. It's really it's like a taut snare drum. It's really, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's just it's, it's like, um, oh no one no one else passes like that. Paul, Paul mentioned Trent and Virgil and their passing ability, but there's still some, Thiago still seems to time a crisp 15-yard pass better than anyone I've ever seen. And it, and it does require a little bit more. I don't know if it requires more from the player receiving it, but the, surely the pace on it must require a little bit more control. But the fact it's so precision, it's just precision at your toe, then you might not even he doesn't no, it doesn't have to move and sometimes he's doing it looking the other way yeah, sometimes his body, his body shape's completely the other way yeah, yeah. and he still ping, and he still pings it, he still times it so well oh, it's like Roger Federer in hitting a tennis ball, it, it's that kind of level of, mm. you know, timing um, it, it's Ben Stokes hitting a six Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you, just, you just see it going and 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 that's and that's what sports about. So you can take that from it, but I, I'm I'm with Paul on the on the overall package of the of it compared to <laughs> the last time we watched football, we were watching yeah. our team going to win the league with some of the best reactions. We were listening to the fans chanting, "We're going to win the league against Man United at Anfield." We still haven't celebrated winning the league. We yeah. still haven't had the parades. We still haven't had any of that. And now we're watching. Something packaged up because of the influence of broadcaster money, and that's that is us paying the subscriptions. But it's still that I don't know how much it would still go ahead with the level of stuff that they've got going on for the tests and the bubbles and the money going into it. If it wasn't that level of broadcaster funded, are you guys are you guys happy that it's going on? In what sense? Well, I, mean, I, I don't, it doesn't I don't make wanna, a lot. I don't want to. I don't want to give away my article that I've written for the quarter. So <laughs> All right, okay. I'll, 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 I'll pass on this one. I'll cover you up. Um, <laughs> is it, it's not. It, 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 it's it's like a pale imitation of football at its best, but it's still a. It's something to do. The, there's still plenty of quality involved. Hmm. Obviously, the scheduling is just batshit crazy, and yeah, it was and, before though. Yeah, <laughs> it's worse now. It's been worse, and I just wondered, like, do you think I'd rather just bin this off for now and come back in March or something? Or no, I'd, 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 even though it's not quite what what we want, I'd still rather it was there than not there. <laughs> You're not allowed to speak, Daniel. Clubs would die. Yeah, they wouldn't have them. Yeah, we wouldn't. Yeah. But we we struggled to pay, we struggled to pay Tiago and Van Dijk's wages for any period of time if uh, if we had literally no revenue coming in because the broadcasters would then just say, well, we're not going to give. Why should we pay for something that we're not getting? Yeah, yeah, I think you, you you've got to. But then why? And then why are international friendlies? Is that because England would have to pay back the broadcasters hundred grand or whatever, paltry, paltry, relatively paltry amount it would be to? you know, to show a friendly that really... I mean, I was following the England game on the on the BBC, I think, or and there was just people, it was just comment after comment, like, why? And these are probably England fans. I'm not an England fan. I, you know, I used to be. I don't really care much anymore. But they, they were people like this, like, like international friendlies are the worst thing ever. 
you know, in COVID times, because there's no there's no meaning behind it either. So there's no there's nothing at stake, and you know, so I don't know. I mean, I, I guess you know, it, it, it's keeping us entertained. But it would be if if we did win the league again this year, and it was behind closed doors all season, that would be another. You know, and then maybe maybe this is our peak. This is our peak year. It would, you know, I, I I don't know if you've had this experience, but I watched some football from before lockdown, and it was like the crowd was just like, you know what I mean, it's amazing. It's like having your stereo on one for you know, <laughs> and up to eleven. It it was just like, you know, it's just a completely different experience, and and it's and you just think that was. What are we now? What are we? November, mid-November. Mm. That was March. We was that, 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 when was the Atletico game? Mid, mid-March. So, end of yeah, it, yeah, mid, end, mid to end of yeah. It feels like we played that two seasons already since mm. since halfway through last season. So there's some there's something so visceral about a football crowd. I I don't I haven't missed it with cricket because I've watched us play test matches abroad against Pakistan with about four people there. And still had and still had an intense experience watching it because Test cricket can do that. That was because, um, that was because they were planned. That was because they were planned, wasn't it? Though. No, no, just tied. They've got. There's been crowds in. There's been crowds in many grounds, uh, countries where there's been hardly anyone there. Oh, West you, Indies, in particular, had yeah. had a, a follow period of fans turning up to watch Test matches. They turn up to watch one days and T20s, but. Um, I think golf's a better sport without fans because they're all wankers, because they're all shout callers. <laughs> so, so I'd rather just watch them play in the actual sport. Um, snoo- snookers, snookers they, they have to be quiet when people are playing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some off. Um, so there's very different dynamics within each sport, but football, it's it's the core, it's the core part of it. Yeah. It's it lead to, to greater appreciation and, and therefore treatment of fans. Yeah, of course you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've constantly whinged about kickoff times in my my day at the match articles. Do you think that'll stop now? Welcome back. You let us know when it's okay to kick off, and we'll arrange the match for them. Do you think I think now we've gone to one game after each other. We'll struggle to get back to I I. teams playing at the same time. I always say I hate the the, the dragging out of you know. So do I. Because. You know, because you're watching Man City to see if Man City lose or drop points, and you're watching Man United and Everton because you probably want them to drop points, and you're watching these other, and you could not watch them. No, I do, <laughs> but I don't. A lot of the time, I don't watch them, but I'm still I'm still aware of the score, and I think right, I'll check. yeah, I know what you mean. And then so it's like two hours. So you have your game, and then you have these two hour period where you're conscious about yeah. being elsewhere, and then another two hours where you're conscious. And I say when I used to go, I went mostly in the 90s regularly and George would read the, the half times out and the, and the full times and it was only at the end of the season that somebody might take a radio along to know yeah, what yeah. and we didn't have mobile phones I, I got my first mobile in 98 I think and I don't think you got reception in I don't know if you still you know I don't think I've ever got a text message in inside Anfield anyway but no. so it, it was you, you weren't every every week match week. You weren't worrying. You just had two hours where it was the game. Everybody else played their games. Yeah. At the end of the game, you would find out. Oh, Man United have, have, have won, and you go, oh, but we've won as well. So you go home happy. 
But now it's kind of like it's your game, it's their game, and then because there's a big six, there's now yeah. because there's still Everton that you need to kind of you know, um, especially if you've lost at the weekend, you don't really want Everton to to have won, even though I don't mm. know, in Liverpool, you know, it's just a, a general thing, isn't it? So it's to, it needs to be a big fifteen to include United this season, though, doesn't it? <laughs> they've been pretty low. Well, their home their home form is relegation form, so <laughs> yeah. But I think you do lose something with, without that concurrent nature of other games going on at the time. You know, well, it's not concurrent, isn't it? Um, you know, when there used to be all the games going on, you were part of a a wider whole, all of which is connected because obviously the table interlinks you all. So before even, you know, before George read them out, there used to be the old A, B, C, D down the side of the pitch. And then your programme would tell you, like, A is QPR versus Ipswich, B is, you know, so they'd put 1-1 one, one, and some guy would slide a number in. And <laughs> like United would C. And you think, I oh, bloody hope they've lost today. When was that? <laughs> when did they stop doing that? It was never in my... I thought was, it was 1990, and I don't remember that. Oh, no, that probably stopped in the 70s. Right. Yeah, uh, probably. But it used to be quite exciting. Bring it, bring it back. Um, <laughs> when somebody used to slide nil, you know, Everton nil. Well, they wouldn't be They'd be away. Wouldn't they? um, you'd think, well, they're definitely not winning. That's the first thing. That's when you put three down, you know. The, the, what you do with Evan, you always put three or four, and then they just take it out again and put nil. You know? <laughs> it's like a, you know, but that was that was much more fun. <laughs> there was a sense of excitement, but, but that's the main thing. You were you were all part of the same thing at the same time. You are. Yeah. yeah, you actually are. You know, we're all in the same table. I just find that I just find like Friday night games, Saturday lunchtime games, Saturday afternoon games, Saturday evening games, Saturday night games, Sunday lunchtime games. All the way through to Monday night, and you, it's just like the whole weekend is just—it's just consumed with football now. And even though yeah. I don't, I yeah. might watch two other games. I don't watch them all, but but you're still kind of caught up in the in the, you know, you, yeah. you won your game, and then you have to wait to see if everybody else wins their game. You can't just know what where you stand. You have to wait, or everybody else has won their games and you go through the weekend and it's like yeah. City have won, Man United have won, Chelsea have won, you know, Everton have won, Arsenal have won. It's kind of like, you know, well, now we've got to play and now it's even more stressful because you know that everybody has won. Yeah, it's similar to the DAR, it defers your pleasure. <laughs> you know, you, you can't actually fully celebrate your win because you don't yet know what its context is. It's, it's an no. interesting point because I have to make an apology because I've been... I took a screenshot of the of the Scotland keeper Marshall last night making the save. About <laughs> three yards out, and I was like, <laughs> they, they, they did tests to show that a goalkeeper, if a goalkeeper waits to see where the ball goes, it's too late. It's a bit like with tennis; you can't you can't wait to see where he's going. You have to kind of. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you, can't, you can't wait for a delivery in cricket. You have to you have to have some kind of. Yeah, exactly. So development. Exactly. So keepers have, and he took a step forward, and then he, and he's like he's three yards out when he makes a save, and I thought, and Scotland have gone off to celebrate like wild, and I thought they, they, they've got to take that back. That that's clearly off his line, and then when you ended up sharing the images, and like he's his front foot is three yards off the line, and he's somehow <laughs> on the line. I, that, that was incredible. I would never have. You know, and that was. There'll be a law change now. There'll be both feet on the line. Sorry. 
There'll be a law change now. It'll be both feet have to be on the line. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how. I don't know how he. I don't know how he's done that. Is he? Was he? Did he start running? <laughs> I guess they're just they do they're learning new techniques. Yeah. They've been encouraged by VAR. Also, it's it's good goalkeeping coaching or good goalkeeping yeah. um, training by the individual himself. But yeah, it's hard. It must be hard to do. I was thinking that I thought that the VR VAR bottled it and thought. You know, once 24 yeah, okay. players yeah, yeah. Are, are pulling their pants down and they're, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know. We've all, we've all been to a Glaswegian party. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't, actually. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, I owe, I owe, the, um, I owe the VAR an, an apology for, for, for doubting, um, you know. So, Eventually, you have to score a penalty by playing a one-two round the keeper and just go around and fetch it and knock it in. The old, the old um, was it Cruyff and who was the guy that played for Man United in the eighties that went there? Newman. Was it Jesper Olsen? Yeah, Jesper Olsen played. For think, the 80s, yeah. Then I think Thierry Henry and Robert Perez tried the same thing and completely screwed it up. They did. Yeah. Messi and Suarez did it, didn't they? Oh, I think they did. Did they score? Did they... A couple of seasons they did score, yeah. yeah. Mm. We don't see that enough, but but there you no, go. No. <laughs> so, Paul, tell tell us why you've why are you going to bring out TT uh, the the quarterly from TT? Um, uh, yeah. What's it for? Yeah. How, how many words have you got in it? Pure, pure desperation. <laughs> Actually, just while, while I'm here, um, the Red Men sent me. Their copy of this, a copy of this, a signed copy of this, which I don't think I feature in, but Bees, Bees gets a lot of mentions in, so I think his name should be on the front of that. And then we've got Bees's book. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we do. Nice cover. And then we've got... Very nice. Who do, who, who's doing these covers? <laughs> Another Mr. Marshall. Mr. Marshall in Australia, Daniel. Um, somebody's had this tattooed already, which I think is good. I've seen that. I've seen that. Fantastic. Um <laughs> I thought like doing one book a year or several books between us when you add them all up wasn't enough and I thought so let's do another book uh, I think the I, don't, I can't even remember why, did, why the hell did I have this idea <laughs> it would be easier to, to instead of doing a season review because writing writing Perch write, writing Mentality Monsters last season was an, or season four last was a nightmare because you're trying to write it as it unfolds. But doing Perched last year, last season, could have been last year, got, I don't know what year we're in now, but they had to rewrite so much of it because so much was happening, so much was changing. And then I, could, and I just thought, look, let's just bring out, you know, for the people that, that want more things to read, let's just bring out a, a quarterly journal that's got no upfront printing costs. So it's not like with, with the other books where there's investment in publishing. Um, unfortunately, it's only Amazon that really allow this to happen. So we have to use Amazon and people don't like Amazon and that's fine. But with Amazon, you can do, you can, you can publish a Kindle book with no upfront costs and you can publish a paperback with no upfront costs. And they print the paperbacks whenever orders come in. And the Kindles, they can obviously deliver immediately. So it just seemed a way of just saying, look, we've got all this great writing that's going on to the site. Instead of waiting for the end of the season to pull one of these together, let's just bring it out, a cheaper version, 
small, slightly smaller version four times a year, maybe write something new for it. But then obviously whatever what happens is then you then think, right, actually, let's write a bit more new stuff for it because you don't want to just recycle. Do you know what I mean? So I think we've all ended up writing a load of new stuff for it as well. And it's just, you know, TTT has been going 11 years. In some ways, we're still really healthy and strong. But in other ways, we're, we are not what we once were in the, you know, when we started in 2009, we were the, I don't think there were hardly any subscription websites out there at all. We used a really early form of subscription interface, which was phased out years later and left us with kind of redundant software, which has caused problems ever since, but which we've had to sort of pay to overcome. Um, obviously, again, lots of great sites um, have, have evolved since, like the Anfield Rap wasn't around when we started. Um, Anfield Index, I don't think Gags came to visit me. No. So I think both, this is um, both um, the Anfield Rap and Gags came to see me about subscription or spoke to me about subscription models and stuff. So I helped those guys out. Um, uh, but there, but but those a lot of these guys have got a lot more energy and vigor, and you, they're more youthful than we are. And they do a lot of YouTube stuff and a lot more podcasting. And part of what I do is, uh, I you know, I don't think I'm a very good broadcaster. I like my writing. I don't like much else that I do. So I was just thinking of ways to. To, to sort of stay relevant and to and to things to do to keep pushing us forward without compromising the kind of stuff the kind of stuff that we do because I don't ever want to run advertising on the site because I think advertising corrupts you in a way I think that um, sponsored content I get ten emails a day saying can you we'll give you money if you run this article it's like no I don't you know we don't want to do that the subscription model gives us autonomy and and we we can do what we want but we've been going a long time there's a lot things like the athletic have come along in the last few years that are funded you know and that are allowed to almost give away i mean they've got some great writers but they're able to give away their subscriptions virtually because they have so much investment so you know we're being squeezed from all sides um, writers get paid less. You mentioned that the other day, Paul, didn't you? In the group, writers get paid less. Yes, studies, studies have shown that you know writers with 15 years' experience are earning 47% less than they were 10 years ago. Writers with 20 years' experience are earning 70% less. Um, people are getting paid peanuts to write clickbait. A newspaper's paying the same level to certain journalists as 1934, relative. Yeah, that was an American thing. That was fascinating, wasn't it? That Yeah, I think um, one uh, one American publication, um, yeah, pays the same dollar amount, uninflated, the same dollar amount that they were paying in 1930, which is 5% of the, of, of the worth that it was at the time. Do you know what I mean? So... So it's so it's difficult, and so we need to find new revenue streams, new new ways of reaching an audience. I was thinking that if just a, a small number of people bought the quarterly for friends, it's it's easier than buying a subscription. And then if people like the the book, they can maybe then try and subscribe themselves. 
So it's just trying to find new ways to just keep eking out a living and keeping us all with some kind of income. Because, you know, I, I when, when I started TTT, I was still writing for the official Liverpool website. I went back and wrote for them again briefly at the behest of Jen Chang before he was... Um, <laughs> Name dropping. Well, no, <laughs> it, it, he 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 got into at Liverpool through me by badgering me for people's email addresses, and then he got a job. And then he said, "Do you want to start writing for the site again?" And I'd left because of the way they sacked Rafa and because of the owners and because of Perslow and um, and various other people. So I went back briefly, but then kind of didn't really. I wasn't really feeling it. Um, I don't use Twitter much anymore. I don't. I don't. I don't do the promotion because the promotion is is just the social media. I find social media really toxic, as I suspect a lot of people do, and really un, really unhelpful for society in many ways. And so it's just really hard to keep. It's really hard to keep doing stuff, and you, do you know what I mean. Short of us doing TikTok videos of us dancing, which I don't think anyone needs. You know, um, don't think that'll help. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know it's just it's just another i've got no idea whether it will work it may not work you know um just trying to find new ways to to, to reach new readers potentially without having to invest money that we don't have in promoting things and or you know there's all kinds of things as i say like what the athletic were doing i think i think they say they've got great writers but they have got a ton of money behind them. And obviously during COVID, our, our, our subscriber numbers have gone down pretty much in line with the start of COVID. So, you know, we've all, every, all businesses, I imagine, are feeling some kind of pinch. And I don't want to keep asking people to pay more. But if people who've got the money and, and would like to pay $5.99 for a 130-page book or $4.99 for it on Kindle, you know, a few hours, several hours worth of reading time. If people want to buy it, great. If they don't, then we haven't lost. You know, it's not something like I've got to invest ten thousand pounds in to see to get this off the ground. It doesn't really cost anything apart from our time to actually write these articles, the new stuff. So, so that's it, really. Um, you know. Yeah. F finally, I just want you to reassure all TTTers at the moment about the uh, lack of a like button. It's 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 causing it's causing uh, <laughs> plenty of side effects for yeah. regulars. Well, turning yellow is the main reason for being a member of those people. <laughs> Getting a post turn yellow is the. Do you remember the red? Do you remember the red ones though? The, the dislike. Button? I do. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I think we lost that in. We only had it for a little while in two thousand and nine, I think. I think you got you guys on the bottom of my screen joined in twenty ten, I think maybe. Mm. So, but yeah, we actually had a, a downvote thing as well, which I think we just realised. Yeah. I think it did as well. It's realised it's you know it's pretty harsh if you get downvoted, and the better way is to actually have a good reply that can then get upvoted. So yeah, so there's been no yellow posts for a week, which the BBC didn't learn from because they've still got a downvote button on their sports pages. Yeah, but it doesn't turn the it doesn't turn the comment no. red or no, right. you know. Um, yeah. So we've had yellow, yellow. I don't know why it was yellow and not green, but we've we've had yellow post a post turning yellow with you know ten likes. 
so yeah it's another another thing just with the site in general so the sites we you know we're doing lots of back-end work um it's difficult to keep all the software especially with such a a bespoke subscription thing because because the subscription software that we first used was discontinued in 2015 and no longer supported in 2016 we had to get those guys to write patches specifically for ttt and those patches worked with wordpress and woocommerce in 2016 but they don't necessarily work now in 2020 there's so much stuff that has to be done that's being done and the, the WordPress actually updated. We didn't want to update TTT um, because once you update WordPress, all the plugins that you have can then become out of sync. But in the end, it was so it was so sort of immediately required that WordPress did it for us a few days before we were going to do it ourselves, and so we've lost some functionality, like with the liking buttons. And things like that but that's all being kind of addressed so it's just been you know it, it, it's been a it's been a difficult year all round um, <laughs> but this is the most important thing that we've got to get started being able to keep our existing subscribers um, you know and keep income coming in and keep you know doing what we do I mean I think I just think we're so niche anyway and I think I've always thought it's easier to lose subscribers and gain subscribers because it's, as you can see, sometimes you can really upset somebody over nothing and they quit. And yet you might have to write 10 really good articles for somebody to think, actually, I'm going to sign up to this sort of thing. So it's a, it's an uphill struggle, but we're still, we're still going and, you know, we've got to find ways to keep going as long as possible. You know, um, many of us have health issues or, you know, are, are married to people with health issues it's a, you know, we're not, it's like when people, often people suggest all these great ideas. And I was thinking, yeah, if I was a healthy young man with energy and a ton of capital, we could, we could do some of these things. And if, you know, but we're just kind of like this niche little cottage industry of kind of high end analysis and community where we try to have a good community spirit and, a, and, you know, good interactions and zero trolls, zero trolls, zero trolls. Yeah, and that's you know, occasionally. Although we've, we have had a couple, we well, get one occasionally, but they don't last. They don't last long. And <laughs> so that... I think my favourite was Trev. Is it Trev? I don't remember. What was his or name? Merv. 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 Merv and Zach Top Ten were. were I, I can't even remember what they used to. And it's kind of like you can't really ban this person because they're just boring and like you know. But then it just gets to the point where it's just like the cumulative weight of just rubbish posted, and you know. So you know, I, again, I'm, I'm, I. It was it was just started just for me, and then Chris came on board, and then Daniel, and then UBs and other people, and it was never intended to be. Hence the name, you know, it was just it was just my blog to try and make, you know, to have a few hundred subscribers and it kind of grew well beyond that. And it's now keeping, although we're a small business and it's a small site, it's still, there's quite a lot of people involved. And, you know, 
the quarterly is another way of people. There's another way to say, look, you know, every few years we might have to ask for some donations because, we, you know, the, the, the kitty runs low. Rather than doing that, it would be nice if people bought something that they get some value out of. Mm. And, you know, so that's why that's why we're doing that. And, and again, got to pay to get the site, all, this, all the technical stuff of the site done. So hopefully, yeah, if, if, if COVID is, you know, if we get vaccines and things like that in the next few months, then, you know, we could hope to, to sort of build the site. But at the moment, it's kind of like, like a lot of businesses, we're just trying to get through, you know, a difficult period whilst there's more and more and more competition out there. And, um, you know, one thing I never, I said I'd never, ever do, and I, I was due to be on the, the, the Red Men on the YouTube this week, and I, I wasn't feeling well enough to do that. And I said we would never record any video, but I think we're recording this as video. So, you know, um, we're not, you know, you know, we're not handsome young men. We're, 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 we're handsome middle-aged men. You know, so, um, you know, if people want to, you know, our faces are going to put a lot of people off and we, we've got to, you know, we've got to move with the times. We could get some sort of younger, better looking guys and girls in and, you know, um, and that might be the way forward because YouTube, I don't think we're going to take YouTube by storm, are we? It might, it might drive them towards written material. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm like, well, let's. One of the actually is actually easier talking, being able to see. I've just realised that it is actually easier to actually do the podcast when you can see each other mm. as well. You can see that mm. if people are bored, or if they want to make a cup of tea, or they're, or they're nodding, they're listening and nodding. You know, it's much it's much easier. So it's actually better. Yeah. It's actually better than um, than than recording just sound. I think mm. less less interrupting. Because you can see people. See who's, who wants to talk. People who are kind of like, you know, let me say something. Because bees is always hogging the bees is terrible for hogging the. the mic. It's just the worst. Like I have to edit hours of bees. Yeah. The podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that that's in the in the. Chris, yours isn't in focus. We'll have to get we'll have to get it back in print. Yes. Well, I've, I've still got four copies left, but. Um... <laughs> Unfortunately, I did cover for yours, Chris. This was before the days of Daniel Marshall and his and his sort of far superior covers. Uh, yeah, but um, can't really do it, Chris. No, I can't get any nearer than that. Have you um, have you thought about putting it on for Kindle? It is. Just it is on Kindle. So, so, all right. So there you go. So you don't need. So you haven't just got four copies. You've got oh, loads no, of copies. Yeah, well, <laughs> Yeah. Publish it in paperback again, this time through Amazon. Well, but it's hard. Yeah. It's not the demand for an eleven-year-old book about something that happened nearly forty years ago. It isn't. It obviously it sells a few around May, doesn't it? Every year, mm. yeah. Mm. It's, yeah. it's not something. All, all my old books, you know sell virtually nothing during any given week so you know, do you know what i mean you, you get the occasional sale of them here and there it's only the more recent ones that tend to get you any kind of you know income yeah. um i had a i was 
pestered by an Argentinian journalist who was Italian living in Buenos Aires this year for the anniversary. Almost every year there's somebody from somewhere around the world that you know, wants to interview and send questions. And I don't think there's many other books. There, are there any other books on it yet? No, but not not. I don't know if there are in in Italy, um, but from from our perspective, mm. I don't not not aware of it. No, you know, it's, it's obviously mentioned in within other books, but as a you know as a sole topic, I don't I don't think there is. Um, mm. You know, maybe you know that, that moment's now past. You know, it would be too late to sort of start from the beginning now. You know, but, but it's still um, it's still available on Kindle from where I was standing, Chris Rowland. Um, yeah, with an introduction by some absolute wanker. <laughs> I can't, oh, I can't remember his name. Yeah. So, um, we bring the book closer to you to, to your to the screen. That's it. There we have it. Call it up a bit more. You're, you're not in, you're not in shot. There, there we go. And it it taught me it taught me a lot about. Um, there we have it. The 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 high soul. It, it's a, I think it's a fair. It's a fair um, account in that it doesn't, it doesn't absolve all Liverpool fans of any blame and say that it was just a wall that collapsed. But it does, it does talk about all the context of the the um, the stadium having been ruled not fit for purpose and all the previous skirmishes and the way that Liverpool fans got mis- missiled, you know, at the previous cup final. And I think were were there as well. So it's you know, and then uh, one thing that stands in my mind, I can still picture it in my in my mind's eye, Chris, is the the, the I seem to recall you coming back on the tube in London or something and getting getting grief. Yeah, we were making our way back from you know to the various tube stations, and we were sort of going down a down escalator, and some people were going up an up escalator, just scream murderers at us. Yeah, a woman, a woman actually, just said, murderers. Mm. Yeah. What? <laughs> we weren't actually even in the ground at the time it happened, you know. So the whole murder thing started pretty quickly then. Oh yeah, yeah. It was the day after, yeah. or two days after. Yeah, um, yeah. The reaction in Ostend where we were staying, and certainly in the UK when we got back, was was you know, which is what I talked about in the book is about this thing about collective guilt, and you know, we say we weren't actually in the ground at the time that the thing happened. How can we be guilty of anything? Were you just no. outside at the time? Yeah, we were actually making our way towards our section, mm. right past where it happened. We were actually outside Section Z at the time. We, should... we heard, a, heard a bang and we thought it was a big door clanging or something, but it was actually the wall breaking, actually as we were outside that section, Section Z. Mm. We had to, you know, our, ex, our section was about 100 yards further down, so we are on our way there at the time. Um we need so it's all how can we be guilty? We were even in the ground, and yet we sort of have to take this collective guilt. You lot did it. Mm. Yeah. I was going to say that we, we need to, we've got so many new subscribers compared to when we ran stuff from the book a decade ago. And it, it might be something worth giving, giving to mm. subscribers because I don't know if there, you know, we're getting people that are interested in Liverpool all the time that aren't, you know. Certainly, a lot of American. We get quite a few American subscribers who who maybe have only been fans since you know the Red Sox involvement or stuff like that. So okay. it, it it's not something that you can necessarily publish. You know, you might publish an article on it in May, 
but it, mm. it might be worth seeing if anybody on the site wants wants a copy of the book and you know if there's any interest it is it is a major shaper of of the club mm. and other other people's perception of it i think um well to this day you know when people are shouting murderers they they don't really know what it is they're shouting but no. i think i think they think hillsborough's the same but exactly. it clearly wasn't you know yeah. um, but those those two as you called them the twin h bombs of our history uh, yeah. both um significant um influences of of the club you know subsequently of, of its dna you know yeah. and um, I think if there had been any intentional murder at heisel that would be one thing but it but at the very worst it was it was manslaughter at the very worst it was it was yeah. people dying from a collapsed wall because people were running um you know and, and a lot of it, the chief of a lot of it was charged with involuntary manslaughter by the way so in Belgium, that wasn't reported much in the uk but hmm. in belgium they actually prosecuted the chief of police for involuntary what manslaughter the, what about the stadium safety officer as well something did happen to them yes they they were charged yeah um didn't forget Liverpool's secretary, Peter Robinson, at the time had written to them expressing massive concerns about the use of the stadium weeks before the game. It wasn't just wasn't us just like you know in hindsight saying oh, it was the ground's fault. It had been that had been raised by Liverpool Football Club a long time before the game. But Hillsborough was also didn't Spurs have a problem? Spurs and Wolves. Yeah, Spurs and Wolves. I think I think Spurs fans were in that end. I can't remember. It might have been Wolves, but it was in Epping's Lane, definitely. Yeah. If there's one thing, you know, maybe people argue there's too much health and safety now, but at least we do take things seriously. Like, you know, this mm. is a death trap. You know, just, you know, just carry on. That was the way back then. Whatever, just get in there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Chris, I know, I, I know, Paul spoke about social media in these days, but I think the reaction, and I'm not going to even use the word analysis, but the reporting after both those incidents as has fed into a lot of what you mm -hmm. see with the perceptions of local right. fans now. So, uh, yeah. you know, those headlines after both games. I think that they were different in as much as there was an orchestrated campaign to mislead after Hillsborough. Yeah. Begun by, yeah, well, begun by South Yorkshire Police, but, you know, enthusiastically adopted by the government and, and the media. And even, you know... Um, validated, validated. Validated, yes. Yeah. People couldn't wait to believe that version. You know. Most people now know the truth, although some people just willfully will mm. just stick to, yeah. you know. Um, I was watching a crime, one of those one of those crime programs where they um, look at someone's ancestors and they try and get them exonerated. And it was one case from 1918, so a hundred years old. And they asked mm. to the woman, like, we're going to investigate this again, but what if, what if we find out that? The evidence actually supports the conviction, and the woman said, "No, I'm completely convinced that that he was innocent." I said, oh, "Okay, then." So you know, it, okay. it doesn't matter what you'll find, you know. And it just, yeah, yeah. just uh, and, you know, the correct answer is, "I need to have an open mind. We need to look at the evidence." Mm. Um, but some people it's out of fashion that now, isn't it? Sorry, it's out of fashion a bit now. Yeah, well. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, Daniel, that so if this had happened, if those had happened during the times of social media, then that would have been even more just horrific. Mm, it would, yeah. Daniel, you're mute, Daniel. 
Hey, I have only been podcasting for a week. Um, the, yeah, I think I think it would have come out and been quashed quicker because people would have provided the evidence that would have disproved it. Of course, you would have had a lot of shit that would have might have stuck initially, as we see now with reactions. You know, fake news gets people think it's real for a sin, and it doesn't matter if the retraction. Evidence comes out because people have already made their minds up. But I think there would have been such a huge amount of evidence. There would have been loads of video, video phone footage that would. Yeah. So. um, But there might have been stuff that you know. It might have been a phone thing that showed some drunken Liverpool fans. If you had a game of football in 1989, there would be some people that had consumed alcohol. Even now, game. I go. You know, you go games now, and there are some people. I see that that are so drunk before. It's very, very, very rare. But you occasionally see someone who's too drunk before the game. They've gone too soon, and they're and they're and then you know they might end up missing the game or something. So I'm sure there were Liverpool fans that you know did something. Might have you know what I mean? Might have pushed someone or things like that could then get taken out of context. Whereas in any crowd, you're going to have jostling or or pan- and panicking and things like that. So, but. But I think, yeah, you're right that it would have been the true true evidence would have been easier to get out to counter the narrative because back then, you know, there was nothing to counter what the Sun said. You know, the, the other newspapers, unless they did it, and because the, the Sun weren't going to retract it or apologise. So, you know, I can still remember being at college and being in the college canteen, and somebody had a copy of the Sun, and I remember seeing those front pages. Um, you know. Um, and I can imagine people, you know what I mean, P- people will have seen that and taken that to heart, and that will be a hard preconception for them to then let go of, you know, but I think I think we've come a long way anyway. So and I don't know about, about Heisel, I'm, I'm still not sure if people, uh, people know the truth about that. And again, it's not that Liverpool fans were angels or, you know, but it's just that it wasn't, it wasn't, Murder. It was it was rowdiness no. and a collapsing stadium. Yeah. yeah, very very collapsing. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to go to Joe Rogan length if we keep going on. Um, yes, thanks thanks for your two hours of time, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how people do. I don't know. I've got through an hour and fifty, but um, you know, doing a three hour every day. But no, it, it, you know, it's 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 good to see you guys and. Um, it's been a difficult period. It's much nicer talking than than um, it is actually. Yeah, actually, you know, having do it more text or something, or, or me losing the slack. slacking. Slacking. Yeah. <laughs> slacking yeah.